The Courage to Lead, episode 199. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Lisa Danforth. Lisa Danforth is a business growth strategist and a leadership coach. Her mission is to help people build a business or career that will sustain the life they want to live and not consume it. Lisa's a 30-year, five-time entrepreneur. She's a certified The One Thing facilitator, certified co-active coach, and graduate of Tara Moore's Playing Big Facilitators course. Lisa's been dubbed by her clients as the hand-holding ass kicker. <laughs> she matches just the right amount of push with a dose of love. Lisa, welcome to the show. Oh, Harlan, thanks so much. I'm super excited for this conversation. Yeah, this is going to be great. So a five-time entrepreneur. I know, I know whenever some... I hear that, I'm like, gosh, I must have started when I was three. Yeah, exactly. You think you'd learn your lesson the first time and you kept going and going and going. That is awesome, though. I want to come in and I want to talk about all the different experiences you have because it all plays into who you are now and what you do and how you help people. Um, some of the courage that you've shown in some of the decisions you made in your career um, and all kinds of other fun stuff. But first, I've got 10 questions that I like to ask each one of my guests. Um, listeners know these are the questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actors Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his guests from Hollywood film, TV and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guest. So Lisa, if you're ready, I've got 10 simple questions for you. Simple, but not easy, right? But not easy. Absolutely. Fire away. <laughs> <laughs> Question number one, what is your favorite word? Oh gosh, my favorite word is pause. That allows us to lead and live an intentional life. Nice. Yeah. What is your least favorite word? Uh, honestly, these days, patriarchy. Hmm. What turns you on? Mm. When, oh gosh, there's so many different things, but for me, it's, it's really my work. So it's, it is watching someone take ownership over themselves and understand that they are in control and they're at choice and they just start stepping out. That's, there's not much more exciting than that when they, they understand that they're in, they're at choice. At choice. Perfect. What turns you off? Oh, what turns me off? Mean people, mean, aggressive people. Absolutely. What sound or noise do you love? Oh, I love the sound of water, a river, or a stream, or the ocean. Nice. What sound or noise do you hate? An alarm. <laughs> I have PTSD from alarms when I was catering. Oof. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. What is your favorite curse word? Oh, okay. I can't say it right. So it um, rhymes with muck. Okay, perfect. Autocorrect always changes it to duck or something like that. Oh, is that okay? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, gosh, that is a big one. Because, hmm, how about a dancer? That would be fun. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Any, any style, certain style? Just, just dancer. 
Although pro- probably not line dancing for me, <laughs> but just, just the movements, just the, to be able to yeah. sort of like um, have the energy out there. That sounds like fun. Absolutely. Very cool. Okay. What profession would you not like to do? Um, would not like a firefighter. Would not want mm-hmm. to go into a burning building. Yeah. And I commend anyone who does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hats off to them. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, um, oh, that's a, that's a big one. That's yeah. what God would say or. No, no, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's a big one. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> um, we're glad you're here. Absolutely. And I am glad you're here. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. All right. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back, talk about how you got your start. Um, your different businesses you've been involved with and how that has prepared you to help the people you help right now. All right. So we'll talk about all of that and more right after this. So listeners stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Lisa Danforth. (laughs) Thanks again for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to... uh, to talk with us. So five-time entrepreneur, tell us about your early experiences. Oh gosh. Well, I knew at the age of eight that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, which is a little crazy. I went to the school that I wanted to go to, got my business degree. It's a little, little wacky. I will totally admit. Um, but you know, I come from a business, an entrepreneurial family. Nice. Uh, they started a business when I was in high school and the first business that I had, I was in college and I had a professional cleaning company so that I could work around my schedule, make very good money. And yeah, and just enjoy what I was doing because I was in, I was out. It was great. Nice. And you started Bottom Buddies. I started Bottom Buddies when I moved to Vermont after I graduated from college. It's a children's wear company. We manufactured diaper covers, uh, a clothing. Then I went up to a whole clothing line up to the uh, to size seven. We had 56 home sewers, full-time production manager. We shipped internationally. It was quite a business. It was a lot of fun. Uh, When I was pregnant with my second child, I sold it to one of the home sewers and she took it and ran with it, which was great. It was a lot of fun Um, flying by the seat of my pants. I didn't know how to scale (laughs) patterns and whatnot, but learn on the fly. Yeah. But why that niche, the diaper covers and, and kids clothes? That is an excellent question, Harlan. Thank I'm you. not really sure. You know, I, uh, I, have a, I had a friend in high school who her family owned a fabric company and she was making these sort of, sort of like a diaper cover, something that went over, just the, the cloth. And I was living in Vermont and I thought, well, geez, I've been sewing since I was very young and just started the business and started putting it out there and started selling it craft fairs and then built it up. But no real, I didn't have children, wasn't even married. So it was, um, it sort of came out of the blue, like, oh, okay, let's do that. Nice. Yeah. 
And you were designing, sourcing material, your sales, you did a little of everything, right? I did a little, I did. I, I uh, scaled all of the patterns. I sourced all of the materials. I would go to trade shows. I would go to New York. I would, um, you know, we would do the, when we would do the trade shows, meet with the larger organizations. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot. Wow. My husband at the time was the, um, salesperson. He was exceptional at sales. So I could hand it off to him somewhat, but we always did the trade shows and whatnot together. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. And then that led you to catering. How was that leap? (laughs) A nice, smooth transition, right? (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Uh, Well, I sold my, I sold the bottom buddies to, like I said, my home store when I was pregnant with my second child and took about a year off. And then um, I was volunteered to basically cater and organize my uh, older son's preschool uh, fundraiser. It's their very first fundraiser. And my family business is a, is a restaurant. My parents have a, had a bakery and a restaurant and I was volunteered basically. And our, there was 300 people that showed up and I thought, okay, well, if I can do this for 300 people, it's probably something that I could take and run with. Uh, I will say though, my mom did come over and help me out with the first 300. (laughs) Like that's, that's just launching right in, but it just started when I had um, two young children and I was able to build my business around my kids. So it would grow as, you know, my older son went to school. I had a little bit more time and they both boys were in school. I could build it up. Then as they got more independent, I could do a lot more weekend events and whatnot. It was, is definitely a business in which you can scale at the level to which you want to. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I like the, the catering business. I, I love food. So I think that maybe in another life, I'll, I'll try that. Yeah, so, that, I had two catering, two different catering businesses. The first one was a high-end boutique. Uh, we specialized in hors d'oeuvre parties, cocktail parties. And nice. then in 2008, which most people remember that when the economy kind of took a little bit of a digger, I was getting a lot of requests for lower cost events and I didn't want to be in competition with the brand that I had built up. So I started a whole second, a separate division called Hot Betty Barbecue. So I could uh, be able to pick up the lower cost events. I also picked up a lot of the rehearsal dinners and the, you know, the brunches on the next day and whatnot. So that was a lot of fun. But And that was one of the decisions I was saying that that was courageous because you had the choice of lowering your prices mm-hmm. um, in the wooden spoon catering. Um, and you decided, no, I'm going to, I'm going to branch out and, and come up with another mm-hmm. side business basically altogether. Yeah, awesome. built it completely from scratch. I mean, logo, brand, advertising, sales, all of it. I had to go out and buy the new equipment, you know, the five foot grills and all of that, that we would travel with the tents. And it was actually really exciting because the high-end cocktail parties are pretty intense, mm-hmm. right? They're spending a lot of money. They want it to be perfect, which of course we all do. And I sure. loved those because they were just so intricate. But the barbecue one was all, that was just so much fun. Everything was still made from scratch, the baked beans, the mac and cheese, the marinated steaks, but it was so much more casual. And I would yeah. say, this is, here's the six different menus that you can choose from. Whereas, and the other one, it was like, I'd like a little more cilantro in this dish, which was great, but two entirely different <laughs> feels, two, two entirely different energies. And Hot Betty Barbecue, I mean, just a fun name. I loved that one. I loved yeah. the logo. Now, do you still own those businesses? No, I do okay. not. No. Close them, let them go. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And I did that when I was launched. So I had been 
I had gone to school and gotten certified in coaching and was trying to do that, the coaching and the catering at the same time, but the catering is so absolutely consuming that it wasn't happening. So on when I turned 50, the year I turned 50, I actually woke up. I remember waking up and my mind was racing. My heart was palpitating. And I thought, I mean, this is before my eyes even opened. It literally was, I woke up in this state and I thought this is not sustainable. it's no longer serving me. It's, it has, it has been wonderful for me and my family. So I said, you know what? And, and the following summer was my son's last summer home before he went to college. And of course, weddings are all summer long. So I Mm -hmm. thought, you know what, I'm going to make it through the end of the year. And I did, I had a new year's Eve party just so we can get all the tax write-offs and whatnot. And then just launched full-time into the coaching, which was, I have never looked back. It is the best choice that I've ever made, which is really interesting because I had way too many people say to me, you can't stop catering. What are we going to, who are we going to hire? Or you're 50, you're 50. We're all going to start. Right. Or my age, my age really surprised people as well. And it never occurred to me that I couldn't, shouldn't, whatever launch into something new because I wanted to, because I was 50. I'm like, well, who cares now? I'm just doing it. (laughs) Exactly. I remember 50. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so why coaching? What made you go into coaching? You know, I have always been that person that people have come to that have bounced ideas off from that they just always feel seen and heard. And the interesting thing is how I actually got into it was my youngest son, lovely young man was a bit of a pain in the butt as a child. And I started taking parenting classes because I thought, well, he didn't come out with a manual. I don't know what the heck to do. <laughs> So I started taking parenting classes that were based in Adlerian psychology, Alfred Adler, and was absolutely fascinated by his philosophy. And then I discovered that he actually had a, well, they had created a coaching certificate that was Adlerian coaching. And I started doing the coaching and I got about two thirds of the way through certification and then separated from my husband. Hmm. So I had to put that on the back burner because it was like, do I go to school and finish and build, build that business? Or do I take the business that's already established and augment that? So for a couple of years, I was doing both, but decided to launch into the, to the coaching, like I said, full-time, absolutely best choice I've ever made. Nice. And then who are your clients? Who do you, who do you serve? I serve established businesses and leaders. So they have made it to a certain level. They are success, but it's, it has, they've experiencing success, but it's come at a cost. They're overwhelmed. They're burnt out. They're thinking, gosh, I'd love to be able to grow my business, but I can't even handle what's going on now. I don't have enough time on my plate. So the, they're successful. They've got teams. They're struggling with communication. They're struggling with delegation. They're definitely struggling with overwhelm. And most certainly struggling with boundaries Mm. so that they're not necessarily prioritizing what is important to them and what they're stating is important to them. That seems to always get pushed to the back burner and that impacts our relationships. It impacts our success. You know, our personal life and professional life are not mutually exclusive. They're interdependent. So when we, and what I really help people do is to step back and take a pause. That's my, like I said, Mm -hmm. the word that I absolutely love and be able to look at what is that life that I want to live what are the relationships I want to experience? And therefore, what is the business or the career that's going to sustain that life, not consume it? And when we're super clear on where, where we want to go, it is amazing how we can back out of it and be more strategic in 
prioritizing the activities that we want to be taking and understanding that something that might come at us looks like a really cool opportunity, but it's actually a distraction. So it, that clarity really helps people to say no so that they can say yes to more of what they want. Yeah. But it, it's hard to get that clarity when you're so down in the weeds. And you I think that's what it. happens, right? You build this business, you build the business and you're, you're juggling everything and you're, you're trying to do too much yourself. And you just can't see, you know, how do I even focus on that when I'm down here doing this? It seems like a luxury. I've heard that from way too many people. You want me to slow down. And I've had clients hire me before and I'm like, okay, so we're going to pause. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) I need to get into action. I got to get going. I got to get to that next level. But it's in the pausing that we can get super clear on, again, what is that life that we want to live? How do we know that the actions that we're taking personally or professionally, the relationships that we're building are nurturing us and we're able to nurture them? Nice. And I know on your website, you talk about the strategic and holistic approach. Those two words don't normally go together. No, but when we can be strategic, we can incorporate the holistic piece that we are a whole person and it's time to bring our whole selves to work. It's not just bits and pieces of us. So, So often we show up at work and we are this one person and then we go home and we often drag the energy from a hard day home or vice versa. So we need to understand that in order to have a, a live a whole life intentionally, we have to have a holistic approach, taking into account how much is enough of each. And I, I don't like the word balance. I believe it's BS because when we sit and looking at the gap, oh my gosh, I'm so out of balance. I need more balance in my life, which is often why people are coming to me. I need right. balance. What we need is, is work-life integration or work-life alignment. How much, and this is where the clarity piece comes in, how much is enough? How much money do you need to generate in your business in order to sustain your life and then back out of that? How much time with your kids is enough? Until we know what happens is you could spend twice as much time as you need, and I put the need in air quotes, Mm -hmm. with your kids, but still not feel like it's enough. It's a moving target. But when we get super clear with our children, what's most important to you? You know, I can't make it to every single soccer game, flute practice, all of that. What's most important to you? And make sure that that happens. Make sure that you make the time for the people that are most important to you. So often we overcommit ourselves and undercommit to our goals, our priorities, and our most important relationships. And that's, I feel, where it's the most impactful. Yeah, Negatively, yeah. Absolutely. And I, you know, I agree with you. It's, it's not balance. Balance is a misnomer. I don't think you can have, it's not equal amounts of work and equal amounts of, of home. It's, it's not like that. It's the alignment and it's getting to, like I said, what really matters. You know, and a lot of times it's not, I want more time or I want more money. It's, I want to have the the choice. I want to have the option, right? You, you talked about living, you know, at, what was it, at choice? Be, being at choice. Yeah. Being able to, I mean, I think that's key. I think that's what a lot of people are missing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's asking questions. Yeah. But again, most people think that it's a luxury to slow down. But the problem when we're doing that is that we're creating more that we're that we're trying to avoid. And that's why people come to me. They're not even sure what it is. They just know something's got to change. And I know for a lot of businesses, uh, the the business owner, they're technically great at what they do. They don't really know how to run the business. They don't understand the financial side of it. They don't, they're not comfortable with the employee part of it. 
a lot of times they don't know their numbers. You know, mm-hmm. when you ask them, how much money do you absolutely need to survive and, and to provide for your family and everything like that? That's hard for them to even come down to. You know? Most people can't. Yeah. I mean, they'll even say, I want to make $100,000 a year. Then they'll say $5,000 a month. I'm like, okay, well, let's back that up just a little bit. <laughs> right. They just, they have a number, you know, you want to make six figures, six figures in a year, but it's in that pausing that we can say, you know, I actually want to 1.2 million, like whatever it may be, or maybe 70,000 is, is enough. Mm-hmm. But until we are clear on what that is, how do we know what we need to be doing? How do we prioritize the actions that are going to help get us there in an efficient manner? And excuse me, an effective. We always we are often looking at efficient, which efficient doesn't isn't always effective. Right. So we want to be effective in our activities. We need to be able to understand: is this moving me closer? Because if it's not, let's admit time is our non-renewable resource. Yes. It's moving us further away. And if we continue playing whack-a-mole all day long, being exhausted at the end of the day and frustrated, it's not serving us, it's not serving our clients, and it certainly isn't serving the people most important to us. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm always asking my clients, uh, what do you want? So that, right? So it's what, so what, mm-hmm. and then, and now what, or so that, right? Mm-hmm. I want this so that I can do this for this reason. And I think if you can get them just to get those pieces together. Absolutely. And that is a lot of the work I do. It's um, behavioral economists dub this term um, uh, time and consistency. We value the present more than we value the future. So often we're saying yes to one thing and deprioritizing something else because it feels good at the moment to say yes, or feels good to put this thing down that we really don't like doing to go over and do something else. So we're getting the reward in the moment. We might get a kudos from someone. Hey, thanks for helping me. Or we get the relief or it might be, I mean, even things like cigarette smoking, right? The reward is in the moment. You might feel relaxed, but the cost is in the future. When we are clear on where we want to go, what we want to achieve, the relationships that we want to experience, we're able to have the cost be in the moment. I want to increase my wellness. I'm going to put on my sneakers and I'm going to run or walk for 20 minutes. The key is for those of us who have struggled with establishing those new habits and making the choice in the moment that's going to play out in the long-term for what you want is to start small, very small. For someone who just hasn't exercised in a long time, just as a very simple example, put your sneakers on and walk to the end of the driveway and back. Just commit to that. It should be so small that it almost feels like it's cheating. Build that muscle. And then maybe you go around the block and then maybe you go further. So to be able to look at what, what are you consistently doing, getting the results that you consistently don't want to have, but you're just not quite sure what it is. Start looking there and look at what is the trigger that has us saying yes, or has us doing this thing. We don't want to work on removing the bad habit because then we're focusing on the negative. We want to focus on, okay, so here's the trigger, right? Here's what I'm choosing as a new habit instead. Now, mm-hmm. the key is, is it's all our identity. We won't do anything inconsistent with we, who we believe ourselves to be. Right? Right. So, so, but the thing is, is we start casting a vote. So it's 5149 in the negative. And all we need to do is start tipping, tipping it the other way, yep. tipping it the other way. And then we're starting to have live into that identity, having an identity based goal as a person who is able to take summers off and spend time with my kids and still invest in my retirement, my choice in this moment will be. Nice. 
Very cool. Yeah, I had a, a discussion with somebody one time. I don't think they appreciated my my point, but there's there's not a big difference between business coaching and life coaching. To me, it's all the same. It's all interrelated. If 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 you're having communication issues at work, you're probably having communication issues at home. If you're having money issues at one, you're probably having money issues at the other. So I think if you if you can identify kind of the root, you'll help. That's a holistic approach, right? You'll help them in, in both their, their business and their home. I will say I am more of a life coach than a business coach. I mean, I'm a business strategist. I'm a 30-year entrepreneur. I bring it on the business end. But where I support my people the most, where they get tripped up, it's in the life. It's in the mindset. It's in the belief system that gets them tripped up. And when we can tease that out during the pause and create new habits, the business just naturally unfolds. That is what, that's like, that's what I love. That's the, that's the jam right there is when I'm like, oh, it's not as hard as I thought it's up in my head. I thought it was going to be so much, but when we map it out, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's doable. And it's often even more money than what they had said they wanted. When we look at their funnel and say, if you just did these three offerings focused on these three, your marketing, your conversations, your sales, your social media, all of it and sold a certain amount. And they're like, oh yeah, that's totally doable. That clarity allows us to step up and prioritize. Yeah. And seeing those light bulbs come on. I love that. Oh yeah. Right. That's, that is exciting. Very. So uh, we talk about courage on the web, on the uh, podcast, right? The courage to lead. Um, Where do you find the courage to uh, walk away from the comfort zone, the safety net of the nine to five job to create your own success? Where do you find the courage to keep going after setbacks like divorce, bankruptcy, illnesses, or death. Um, what about you? Where did your courage come from? Where did you find the courage to to go out and start your own business? And then uh, something you, I mean, you were saying sewing, you had been sewing for a while, but to start Bottom Buddies, not having any kids of your own, sourcing the materials, working the patterns, doing that. Where did, where did all that come from? I don't really know, to be totally honest with you. I think just the tenacity from my parents, I watched them do it. And it's, it's, it's like second nature. It it truly, I don't even think about it. It used to drive my, my ex-husband crazy because I'd be like, I mean, and it's not like I bounce from business to business. I think the least, I mean, the, obviously the housekeeping when I was in college was for the duration of college, Mm -hmm. but the least I've worked in a business is, is eight years. And it's if something excites me, then I'm going to explore it. That doesn't mean that I'm going to leap from one to the next. It means that I'm going to go down that hallway and start looking at what about this lights me up? What about this doesn't like light me up? Where do I, where does this fit in? And it's just a natural way that my brain operates. And it's also how I operate with my clients. I can see things that they can't see. We can't read the label from inside of the box. So the courage it's just, um, I can't imagine doing anything different. Why would I stay in a business where I'm waking up in the morning with my heart palpitating? It's, yeah. I mean, I had catered a lot of weddings in the middle of a field with no running water for 150 people. Yeah. You know, I, I'm like, okay, I think I'm done making sure I get every grain of salt. Yeah. So it just, yeah, I just launched. It's I've proven myself. I don't exactly. need to do that anymore. Yeah. I'm done. Good yeah. job. Um, and we talk about different types of courage, um, intellectual courage, the courage to set aside your long held beliefs, the knowledge you have to make room for brand new knowledge. Cause there's always new things coming up. There's, uh, 
spiritual courage, there's physical courage, there's moral courage, empathetic courage, being able to set aside your your emotions to make room for somebody else. Is there a type of courage you think comes easiest for you? I would, I mean, what first comes to mind is, is really working with, with my clients. I've always said, I can't be afraid to be fired. And that plays into, I hold your hand while I kick your ass. I'm going to create an incredibly safe space for us to explore what's keeping you stuck. So my courage is speaking up and calling people out very lovingly, but very directly. And I've only had one client get really pissed. And, but she called me back two weeks later and she apologized. She was like, you're right, because it's that safe space. So that for me is the courage because there are things that I've called people out on again, very graciously that they could get really upset at. And they listen to me because they know that I have their best interest at my, in mind, but speaking up like that is, is not easy. (laughs) Yeah. It definitely takes courage. You know, we always talk about the uh, telling the the person their baby is ugly, right? When you go into a business, you're talking to the business owner and you're looking at the the numbers and you have to tell them this is not a good business and most of it comes back on your shoulders. And mm-hmm. that's not easy. They always want to try to find someone else that they can either point the blame to or something that's driving some external force, economics, right? But it's right. a lot of times it's not as the decisions that they've made that put them in the position they're in. And that's not always an easy conversation. What we say yes to, what we say no to is creating our future. That's that time and consistency piece. Let's pause and make sure that this new purchase is something that we need and we can afford it. Um, all of those things. It's, yeah. it's really pausing to, to connect to the goals that you're looking for. Exactly. Yeah, every decision we make every minute of every day of our lives makes us who we are. Mm-hmm. Same thing in business. If you don't like where you are, look at the decisions you've made and make different decisions, make better decisions, more informed decisions. Like I said, looking long-term, how is this going to set me up for maybe this next step to my success? There's a quote that I love by F.M. Alexander, and it says, he says, um, people don't determine their futures. They determine their habits and their habits determine their futures. Excellent. And I love that. So it's, it's our choices. If we're constantly spending too much money or not investing in our business, whatever it may be, it is our habits are creating everything that we have today. Love that. That's awesome. Yeah. So the leaders that you work with, mm-hmm. what do you look for in a leader? mainly I'm listening to see if they really want the change or if they want me to come in and fix someone on their team or um, almost every one of my clients come to me for accountability. That's just nice. that's one of the number one things. So if they're, if they're tentative about, cause I'm very clear about how I coach before onboarding someone. So if they're tentative, if they don't want to be held accountable, I'm not their coach. You know, go get a glass of wine with your buddy or a beer with your buddy and hang out and don't spend the cash yep. really. But if you're, if you're, I'm investing my time in you and you're, my thing is, is when people are hiring a coach, they're investing in their transformation. They're not even investing in the coach. They're investing in their transformation. Yeah. How dare I not 
make sure that they're ready for that transformation before signing them on. True. And are they ready? Have you ever had to turn anybody away saying, I don't think you're at a point have, or at a place? <laughs> I yeah. have had several conversations over the years yeah. where I was like, it's been wonderful to speak with you. And I have not offered, I have not done anything. Um, and occasionally they'll ask about it and I will, and it's always, you know, what's the investment? Of course. Right. Um, and I, I just state the investment and usually I can usually tell that they're not ready to invest in themselves. Yeah. So. Wow. So how many people do you have working for you right now? Are you a solo? I am a solopreneur, but I have a lot of subcontractors, VAs and whatnot. So that is my team. I have had, I swore (laughs) that I was not going to have any more employees, although that might change. But I went from the children's work company where I said, I am not having inventory, but because by the time everything was made and we were ready to ship in the, in the clothing company, Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, you're just, you're feeling, and then, you know, there's always a delay in a fabric or a button or whatnot. And then I went to catering, which was great. You know, you know how many people, the date, food, the menu and whatnot, but it's still a lot of, of stuff. So moving into the coaching arena, coaching industry, it's fabulous. Yeah. (laughs) Much easier. Like, like you, you can be nomadic. You can work wherever you want to. You know, I just yeah. went to Maine this weekend because my brother was in an accident and mm-hmm. I was able to bring my computer and get work done and still spend time with him. That to me is, is, a, is a major gift. That's, that's freedom. And that's, that's what we freedom. work for, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so through the catering businesses and through uh, Bottom Buddies, um, how many employees would you say you had total? Oh gosh, I had 56 home sewers, a full-time production manager, several sales reps, although the sales reps were subcontractors, um, and, a, and a sales, my husband at the time was, was a salesperson. He was on the uh, payroll. And then with the catering, I think I had about 38, 40 uh-huh. employees, not all at once. Sometimes right. we would do a smaller event where there'd be six of us. Some of them, yeah. we, I had to actually go out and get extra people to come in because it was such a large event. Wow. So those two definitely, you know, I learned um, how to communicate and how not to communicate, mm-hmm. <laughs> how to keep myself in check, you know, not, not always easy to do when you at a catering event or, yeah. or whatnot, but it, it was a wonderful education on I so bet. many different levels. I bet. So if I was to bump into any of these folks on the road one day and ask them what type of leader you are, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? Oh, I would. That's an excellent question. Hmm. I would have to say, I mean, I'm a hard leader because uh, I hold you to what you have agreed to. My big thing is, is I'm going to ask of you what I need, and it's your responsibility to tell me whether you can do it or not. Nice. So I will hold people to what they've said that they're going to do or the level of standard. Um, but I'm also pretty darn easygoing. So this is what we need to have done. You figure it out. If you have a question, come back to me. Um, I can be hard. I've, I've had my bad days, no doubt, <laughs> but it's easier, I find, to be curious rather than judgmental. Yeah. What do you need instead of why didn't you do it? That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. And the coaching comes into that too. You know, how would you, when you talk to your employees, it's like, okay, this was the expectation. How did that work? You know, 
What could we have done differently? How, and you're, you're trying to coach them along rather than, I mean, I used to work in uh, aerospace and, you know, it's, they grab you by the lapels and shake you and scream, right? <laughs> Hoping it's going to straighten you How'd out. that work? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can see where I ended up, right? right. Here I am. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's, that's nice. Tell them what you need and then ask them if, if they're capable of doing that. And then, right. perfect. And check in, you know, you don't just sort of leave someone hanging in the wind if they've, if they've just come on board, but if they know what they're doing. And then I like to empower the other team members as well. We're, we're a cohesive team. It's not just me. I don't want to be the leader here. Everyone else needs to be, you know, jumping in, helping out. I'm not afraid to do the dishes. I'm not afraid to clear the tables. Uh, and I need everyone to be able to do the same, including my two, two boys. They were not always happy about that to be in the mm. dish pit or whatnot. But <laughs> I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, I don't have to be in the dish pit anymore, yeah. but if so, I need to be in the dish pit, I'm the first one lining up there. Yeah. There you go. Very cool. So what's next for you? You've accomplished so much. You've, you've done so many things. What's next? Oh, this, honestly, I am really happy to be doing this for as long as I can imagine. I imagine at some point I'll probably want to cut back to part-time. The one thing that I am really leaning into right now and starting is a a group program that's focused on boundaries because I find that that's where most owners, business owners and, and leaders, we struggle with our boundaries. We struggle with communicating them. We struggle with how to set them or even what boundary to set. I was just talking with someone yesterday who is a subcontractor in uh, for this woman and she's been working with her for years and she was just going to let this one job go because we're starting to get frustrated. And I asked her probably three or four questions and she understood she was resentful and she was resentful mm. because she didn't establish boundaries. Brene Brown has done, done a lot of studies on the people who are the most compassionate. And what she's determined is the people who are the most compassionate are also the most boundaried, which doesn't always feel the same when we're establishing right. the boundaries because it can be very divisive. The thing is, is there are boundaries keep us out of resentment nice. so that we can be more compassionate and empathetic towards ourselves and towards others. Yeah. Yeah. Because anytime you say yes to something, you're saying no to everything else. Right. Or if you say no to something, you have to hold that boundary. You can't let that slip because that'll and just the, take over. And the, our boundaries are about us. They're mm-hmm. not about what other people will or will not do. Right. So that's where a lot of people get tripped. Well, I set my boundary, but they're not respecting it. Well, boundaries are an ongoing process. Yeah. So a team member might be good most of the time and they might not be, but our boundaries can also be fluid or flexible. Mm-hmm. People will show you how firm your boundaries need to be. So again, that's like probably one of the number mindset and boundaries are really what support us in creating that life that we want. Because if we're not able to prioritize, how do we, how do we take control of our life? Absolutely. Yeah. That old saying, you get what you tolerate, right? It's very true. Mm. Yeah. it It can feel harsh when you're in it, but it's very true. You know, sometimes it is easier we're in situations where it is difficult if there's abuse in a relationship, whatever, to remove yourself. Yeah. Um, but there are ways of being curious and figuring out how to make things happen. Nice. Very cool. This has been amazing. Uh-huh. I knew this is going to be a great conversation. Um, <laughs> so people, Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. If people want to learn more about you and find out more about the programs and things you offer, how can they do that? What's your website? 
My website is lisadanforth.com. It's super easy. My email is lisa at lisadanforth.com. And for on social media, LinkedIn is my my preferred platform. And it's just at Lisa Danforth. I like to keep things easy, Harley, so I don't get all messed up, you know? <laughs> exactly. Very cool. Well, I will make sure that all of those links are in the show notes so people know how to get in touch with you and stuff. And again, thanks for being on the program. Really appreciate your time. I am grateful to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Absolutely. All right, listeners, hope you guys are taking a lot of notes, a lot of good information here, and definitely uh, some things to check out. So go to lisadanforth.com and check out her website. Um, and share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues. And stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now. 